we are in a series. We're on week three. I don't know how long this will last. It's called Taking Up Space. And we're talking about healing. But here, here's the thing that we're talking about is even though we're touching on the subject of healing, really anything that is provided for by God, and we mentioned it in the first week, is covered in these principles if you'll put it to work. And so when we use the term taking up space as a title, uh, stuff that doesn't belong that's taking up a space in your life or in somebody you know or will attempt to take up space in your life. You with me? All of us would know this as Christians, as we've grown with the Lord or heard different things, we would think sin should not take up space in our life. Wouldn't you agree with that? Sin should not take up space in our lives. And if sin started taking up space in our lives, the right thing would be to resist it. Right? Don't think about it. Don't entertain it. Don't give time to it. Don't watch it, you know. I mean, the other day, I turned something on on YouTube and a, a, a movie came up. It was an old war when I was like, wow, this actor is um, older. How's that? And uh, I was like, in this picture, he looks real young. So I hit play and uh, turned it on and thought, I hadn't even heard about this movie. It was about World War II. And this movie had to have been made 40 plus years ago uh, because of the actor in his age, maybe more. And uh, the, it was, you know, when England was getting bombed, and I thought, wow, this is kind of cool. Not the bombing, you know, it was about World War II. And uh, all of a sudden, the guy meets this girl. It's a war movie with a love story in it. And he meets her, and she likes him, and he likes her. And uh, she's like, I can't be around you. I can't be around you. Five minutes in, one of her gloves comes off. She's got a marriage ring, a ring. She's married. And, you know, they're kind of starting to have an affection toward each other. She's married. He's not. And you know what I did? I turned it off. thought, why am I going to teach and learn and educate myself on something that's anti-biblical? And be entertained with the emotion of, of a wrong relationship. Praise the Lord. And people wonder why things get into their life. And, and there's enough out there throwing stuff at us. And we wonder why people do that. But those things start taking up space in people. And then the action does. And so what we need to realize is, is this principle that we're talking about, even though we're talking about healing, uh, is important. And it will cover every area of life. Yes. Amen. And if you can't say amen, say oh me, because it's so anyway. So then I should hear something, right? So you can turn to Numbers 21, and we're going to talk further on this about taking up space. Uh, what we need to realize is we've been taught so much that sin is wrong. We'll resist sin, right? And we, won't want, we don't want that to take up space uh, in our life. But we should know about healing or health. We should know about provision, protection, and all that stuff. Freedom in any area. And so uh, the Bible said that the Old Testament and the things that happened were written for our learning. So we could learn something for our admonition to instruct us, direct us in life, so that we wouldn't do the same thing they did, or we could get out of the trouble that they got into if we're in that kind of trouble. You with me? And so we're going to look at some scriptures here in uh, Numbers 21, and maybe some of you are familiar with this story. I mean, if you saw the Ten Commandments, the movie, you're probably, or read the Old Testament, you've probably heard this. Everybody's familiar with the basis of this, whether they know it or not, in the United States. Somebody said, how do you know that? Because when we look at this story, we're going to see a, a wooden post and a bronze or a brazen serpent 
intertwined or twirled around a post. And it's going to be killed on that post. And if you look at ambulances, they have that image. If you go to pharmacies, they have that image. If you look on medicine uh, containers, many times that same image is there. A lot of documents have that image there. And when people say, you know, we should separate the church and state and all this stuff, listen, it's intertwined in our society. That image came from the Bible. You with me? Came from the Bible. And if, if people really knew what it meant and acted on what it meant, eventually they could get free from those pills that are in the jar or the container. You with me? Not because they throw them out, but because things could change in their life. So here, we're going to begin reading in Numbers 21. It says, then they journeyed. This is the children of Israel. They're, they're coming out of Egypt. They've already been delivered from Pharaoh. This is many years, you know, this is, or you should say, years in now of them wandering in the wilderness or at least some time. It said, then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom, and the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. Now, if you have a New King James, it says that, but many other translations say their soul became impatient. And as a matter of fact, my Bible, where it says discouraged, has a number, and if you look in the margin, it even says impatient. What is impatience? It's a good question. Because sometimes people see people and say, you're being so patient. And uh, in some ways they could be, in some ways they aren't. You know, some people, uh, when they uh, are in line waiting for something, they're like, but they don't say anything. But being patient literally means to stay the same no matter what the circumstance. Well, they got impatient on this journey. And it said, and, and when they got impatient, here's the big thing. If you're looking for a spouse, don't get impatient. You'll see that impatience in many areas can, you know, you're wanting somebody to change. You're praying. You're believing God. They're not changing enough. I'm helping. Right? Because impatience can make people start acting weird. Now, it doesn't make them, but what it does is it drives them to do things in their own means many times or want their own way or, or I'm going to make this happen. And so it says, and the people spoke against God when they got impatient and against Moses, their leader. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Well, they weren't going to be dying in the wilderness. That wasn't ever God's plan. That's a different story, though. For there is no food and no water. Doesn't impatience really do some interesting or allow for interesting statements? When are we going to get to McDonald's? We're, I'm going to starve to death. You know, I mean, uh, you ate breakfast a little while ago, but I'm going to starve to death. You ever hear people talk like that? I mean, it is like they become impatient. You start hearing interesting words. We've probably all done it in some way. And he, they said, there's no food and no water, and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So there was food. It was raining manna down, but they're tired of that. It says, so here they get tired and some stuff starts happening. So the Lord sent fiery serpents. Technically, the Lord didn't send and doesn't send things on people. If you really look and look at the context of things, he permits things to happen when we do wrong. He'll help to keep things out and work in some degrees, but when we do wrong, we open up the door to things. And so... It said these fiery serpents came and bit the people, and many of the people of Israel started dying. I mean, here they are, and they're getting sick and dying. 
And they're in trouble. And it says, therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he may take away the serpents from among us. So Moses or Moses prayed for the people. Man, aren't you glad Moses wasn't a bitter person? Huh. No, I ain't praying you've been talking about me. I'll tell you you're nice for a while. Aren't you glad he was merciful and said, yeah, I got that covered, I'll pray. They knew he had a connection. They've been bad-mouthing him, and he's like, I'll do that. Isn't that a good way to approach people? It's better than going, well, I'll tell you what. This came on you, you sowed, you reaping now. Don't bother me. You knew better, you shouldn't have talked about me. No, he didn't say none of that. He said, no problem, I got this covered, I'll pray for you. And so he prayed. It's interesting their request though. Did you notice their request? Anybody notice? Take these serpents away from us. Take the coronavirus away from us. Take all this stuff away from us. You, you pray that. You, they told him what to pray. So, so he prayed. But I don't know that he prayed exactly like they said, but he inquired of the Lord. Therefore the people came, verse 7, uh, to Moses. They spoke to him, take this away. So Moses prayed for the people, verse 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent or a bronze image of a serpent. In other words, they're getting bitten by these. Make, make some kind of bronze snake that looks like this serpent and set it on a pole or nail it to a pole and it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks or fixes his gaze at it shall live. Verse 9, so Moses made, so he's only got instructions. He doesn't even know if this works yet, right? He got instructions. We haven't even seen any test results. But notice he didn't say we're going to get rid of the fiery serpent. He just said, if anybody gets bit, here's your answer. There's this serpent on a pole that's going to be here for anybody to look at and if you get bit, or you are already bitten, because a bunch of people had already been bitten, and these are not, you know, like, oh, I got bit by a gopher snake. These are snakes that you're going to die from. And so it says, after he said, here's the instructions, notice he didn't get rid of the snakes. Verse 9, so Moses made a bronze, or a fiery, bronze serpent, and set it on a pole. So picture that. It's what you see on the side of an ambulance. And so it was. If a serpent, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Now, it literally doesn't mean he just walked by and when I looked at it, I got that. It means they just put their focus on it. And they, they, they focused on this bronze serpent. It's interesting, all this stuff came to pass because of their wrongdoing, but what's so cool is some people think, well, all my wrongdoing, you know, this is why God won't do this for me, and this is why, you know, this can't happen. You know, God never even uh, told him, oh, you know, it's not going to happen because you did these wrong things. He gave them a solution. Now, here's what, I'm going to read a couple of things that I wrote down because it's important. First of all, the children of Israel were people who were covenant people. Not like us sons and daughters, but we have a covenant. But they had 
a relationship with God. And they were to cooperate with God. They were to walk with God. They were to not allow certain things into their life. And they had allowed their focus to get off. And they started getting impatient with God and God's plan and God's design and how things were working. And so what the Lord was trying to do is get their attention on the right things. You with me? So what does this pole and serpent show us? God's wanting us to get our attention fixed on the source of all answers. Him. Not on the problem. Not on the problem. Not thinking about the problem. Not thinking about the problem. I prayed, not thinking about the problem. Yeah, but I've been praying a lot. Not thinking about the problem. Yeah, but I keep praying. Not thinking about the problem. You know, I've been praying a lot. Not thinking about the problem. Yeah, but you don't know how much time I've been praying. Not thinking about the problem. Not focusing on the problem. Not got your mind on the problem. Yeah, but you don't know. I've been reading the Word of God. Not having your mind on the problem. Yeah, but you know, the day is long. I've been praying. I've been talking. Not, not having your mind on the problem. Yeah, but I'm trusting God. Not having your mind on the problem. I'm quoting the Scriptures. Not having your mind on the problem. Not having your mind on the problem. Somebody said, is he a broken record? Not having your mind on the problem. Because if you get anything when you leave, at least don't have your mind on the problem. Yeah, but you don't know. Don't have your mind on the problem. I'm a believer. Then don't have your mind on the problem. Well, I believe God's for me. Then don't have your mind on the problem. I mean, that's a, that serpent on the brazen pole, or the serpent, the brazen serpent on the wooden post, should tell us all, don't get your mind on the problem. Don't get your mind on the problem. The serpent on the pole says the problem is defeated. It shows the thing killed, and its power killed. But people have their mind on the problem. And they're violating a principle. Because they got their mind on the problem. And they got their mind on the problem. And they got their mind on the problem. But I'm a believer, but I got my mind on the problem. No. If I'm a believer, then why do I have my mind on the problem? Because this image shows me here the problem is destroyed and crushed and taken care of by God. Oh no, but you don't understand what's going on in my life. No, you don't understand what's going on from God's standpoint. Let me ask you this. Just because God did this, did anything change in the people? No, not at first. Do you know that every single one of these people had to fix their gaze on the answer while they still had all the symptoms in their body? Pray for me. Do something. Quick, Moses. Yeah, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to make this serpent. I'm going to put it on a pole. And then if you get bit and you're like, ah, it's a fiery serpent. I've just been bit by a rattlesnake or it's a pit viper. I'm going to die. Look at I'm going to die. No, no, don't look at that. What are you talking about? I've just been bit. Look at this. No, but you don't understand. Don't. Get your mind on the problem. Focus on the... Yeah, but I'm hurting. He knew that. God knew that. God said, oh, I didn't know they were hurting. we got to do something else. I mean, there's a whole group of people, and he didn't get rid of the snakes, so anybody else after this had had them, it's still there. And they got bit by... Somebody said, yeah, but it's incurable. Uh, this was incurable. But I'm going to die. Yeah, if you keep looking at the wrong thing. And eventually we all will, unless the Lord comes back. 
But you think about it, he, they're in pain. I think some people are not getting this. Don't put your mind on the problem. Yeah, but you know, I'm believing God. If there's anybody believing God, then, then don't put your mind on the problem. If your mind is on the problem, it's on the wrong thing. I mean, think about it. They had to believe in the answer, focus on the answer that said the problem's already solved and stare at it while they're in pain. An image. What is it that God's trying to get a different image implanted that I've already taken care of this, that it's defeated, while they're hurting? While they're in the middle of their problem? Now, I'm just going to say this. I would think... Having pain in your body from getting bit by a deadly viper is going to want your attention. And I think God knew that when He said this. It's easy to read right over the top of this, right? Oh, I just put it and look at it, and I just looked at it, and I was totally healed. Now I'm going to go back and do what I used to do. Moses, I can't believe you told me to do that. I had to turn my head real quick and look at the brazen serpent. No, fix your gaze. Make you think, huh? Now here's what you got to remember. This group of people were the ones before, years before, who God had... Uh, promised them the land of Jericho. You know, this is not their first opportunity to do this. This is a principle that God uses in the Bible. Remember, they had an opportunity to possess the promised land. This land God said, and you know what God said to him? It's yours. He said, I've given you the land, but there's a big huge wall, and there's giants in the land. And you know what the people did back then? They didn't believe what God said. They didn't focus on what God said. They focused on the giants, their own inabilities, and not God's ability. And they said, we can't do it. It's the same thing. Same thing all over again. Same record. They focused on the giants. They didn't focus on God's ability. They allowed wrong thinking. They started seeing how insufficient they were. They said, we're not able. God didn't ask them if they were able. They, the ones that focused on God, they said, we're well able to go up and possess the land. You with me? But the big issue was these people were going to have to learn. They were going to have to pass something on to their kids so their kids could eventually go get it. The land. It's the same principle. And so God told them it's yours. And these guys would not focus on it before. Now they come back, have another issue. And God said, right in the middle of your issue, you're going to have to focus on the right thing. You know, the Bible said the sower sows the word, and the word is a seed. I feel like I'm shoving seeds in people's ears right now. Some people are, ow, 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 ow. But it's good. This is what you do when you're not here, and when you're here. Yeah, but you don't know the pain I'm in. You don't know what I'm going through. God, we're going to have to change this. No, look, the answer got them out. Amen? And they did what he said, and they lived. The brazen serpent was the image of the answer. The answer from God. It's taken care of. But notice he said it's already defeated but they still got it. Now I've got to get my attention there 
and see myself that way, like this is defeated. Here's an interesting thought. This was such an absolute image, meaning defeated. You know, you, you ever seen those movies uh, um, where uh, the guy tries to get with that girl that was married? No, wait, that was a different movie. See if anybody is awake. But the ones where, uh, the one where, where you like, you know, they're usually like, not like Lord of the Rings. Those aren't real. Somebody said, "Are you sure? You're focusing on the wrong thing." But anyway, they go to a certain land, and then what they do is they put like a skulls and stuff like that, and they're like, "Oh, we can't go here. This means this." People, when they see that, they always know, "Oh, this bad. This this don't want to go here." They have enough sense. But this image speaks something that I think we all need to recognize. It, it really shows us you can't see it any other way. This image shows it is no other way. From God's standpoint, it's not like, well, some people will and some people won't. Uh, God's for some and not for others. No, it was an image to all that showed nothing but defeat for the problem. And that the problem had already been solved. It shows nothing else. There's no wiggle room. You know what I mean? Like, well, maybe for some and not for others. No, the only reason you say it's for some and not for others is you're violating this principle. You're not looking at the absolute. You're not focusing on the absolute, or I'm not focusing, you know, anybody. If there's room to add, well, not for them or not for these, that just shows you're not seeing, or I'm not seeing, or somebody's not seeing the absolute of this. You with me? And so, there's no other way to see this. The problem is now defeated. There's no other way to see that. But you see, the only other way, the only way you can see it any other way is to not have your mind on the answer. It's the only way. The only way you can see it as not defeated is to violate this and go, but look at this. And look at that. But what about this? That's the only way you can see it different. Or I or anybody can see it any other way is to violate this. and Because, and, I mean, if I looked and it said, paid in full, and I said, but yeah, look at my life. But it says paid in full. Yeah, but, but I got a bill. But it says paid in full. The only way is as if I'm entertaining or my mind is on the problem. And not on what he said and what he did. So, faith in God or in the Bible, one and the same, sees oneself with the answer before it materializes in the natural. Faith does. Faith sees oneself with the answer now. And the only way you're going to see yourself with the answer is to not be fixed on the problem and be fixed on the answer and where are you going to find answers? This is why I've said over the years that when you read the Bible, especially the New Testament, you have to recognize this. It's written in the past tense. Much of it is written in the past tense. Many people are looking for God to do something. You know, the children of Israel wanted God to do something. But once God did something, He wasn't doing anything again. So what do you mean by that? In other words, once He did something and put that image up on the pole, God wasn't doing anything for them anymore about that. <gasps> he wasn't? No, He wasn't. Why? Because the problem was solved. The answer was there. He had already done the work. It was already established. 
that thing's defeated. And that, and that from now on, God doesn't have to do anything. Are you listening? God doesn't have to do anything because He's already done something about it. But I got pain. I got bit by a snake. But you already know what to do. Yeah, but you don't know what kind of pain I'm in. Well, if I get bit by the same snake, then I'm going to know the pain too. But I'm going to have to do the same thing. Well, let's just go ahead and turn the lights off and no. No, these things are huge principles because many people are trying to get God to do something and he's done doing stuff. He ain't going to do stuff for you. <gasps> you mean he's not? No, he already has. But see, that doesn't equate in a lot of people because they, the reason it doesn't equate is their focus. Their mind's on their problem. The reason it doesn't equate is their mind is on the problem. And then the only time they'll tell you God did something for them is after they see a change in the problem. Which tells me their mind's not on the answer. They're looking at circumstances. They're not walking by faith. See, walking by faith is not just claiming a promise. That's part of it. But what are we looking at? How do we see the situation? Well, look at my body. No, don't put your mind there. Look at my bank account. Look at this. Look at that. Notice, and, and the world is not going to teach you this, but this is true. Turn to Proverbs 4. This is a principle that we can walk in today and we should in any area. If we're full of worry, if we're full of anxiety, if we're having issues like that, we are violating this principle. We have got our minds on the wrong thing. Isn't it interesting in Philippians, the fourth chapter, when he taught on prayer and how to get answers to prayer, he immediately after they prayed said, you have to not look at the wrong thing. And he gave you a big list of things not to look at to get an answer to prayer. So you can't look at all the bad. You've got to see yourself with the answer. And the only way you can do that is find the answer in the book. Proverbs 4, 21. Everybody alive and well? Yes. Proverbs, the fourth chapter, the 21st verse. Now this is the book of wisdom. The book of wisdom means how to do things skillfully and to do them right. And so he said here, and he's talking to his people because the verse before said, my son or my people. Do, and then verse 21 says, do not let them or my words depart from before your eyes. Well, if you're going to keep them before your eyes, that's how you're going to see it. Are you listening? This is the answer. It's not about running around and shouting. This, I mean, shouting's great. All that stuff's wonderful. But I'm telling you, this is the same exact principle. Do not let them depart. You, the image that my word shows from your eyes, keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health or medicine to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. That means it's going to take work to do this. For out of your heart spring the issues of life or the parameters or the way life will be for you. Where does it come from? From the heart. But it comes and is established by our focus. And so we can't have our mind on the problem. Notice this in, in 1 Peter 2.24, a verse many of us are familiar with, and probably people are like, I could quote that. But remember, we're talking about the image on the pole and how they had to fix their gaze and see themselves with the answer first. And now we're seeing verses that say this again and again, don't let them depart from your eyes. 
In other words, you got to fix your gaze. That doesn't mean you put a verse of Scripture in front of your eyes and drive around like that because you'll get in an accident. But you can see yourself with the answer. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Just like the serpent on the pole, Jesus got on the cross. Notice it doesn't say he's going to do this. It said he did this when he died. Just like after the children of Israel had the brazen serpent, if anybody faced that circumstance after it was already up, they could just turn and put their focus on it. But that means you're going to have to do stuff with your mind. You know, have you ever been to a party? Everybody's having a party, Woo, a barbecue, whatever, and you're not having a party? You're having, well, you're having your own pity party, you know. Your little woo thing doesn't work, it bends. <laughs> you know, your hat's crushed. Nobody knows, but like, you're just getting worse and worse the whole time the party's going. Anybody ever been there? Yeah, everybody's probably been there at least once. The party's getting more lively and you're not. But it's easy to tell you why or why it's not getting better for me would be because of the fact I am not looking at the brazen serpent. I am not looking at the answer. I am not looking at the Lord and at His ability and what He paid for. I'm looking at my circumstances. I'm violating the principle. Therefore, God has already done something, but it won't work for me. And I'm wondering why I'm caving in here and somebody's like, isn't the Lord so good? And you're like, ooh. And you're like, get out of here. You know why you're saying get out of here? It's because everything that's taken up space. That went over good. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Did he already do this? Yeah. Did he already put the brazen serpent up? Yeah. So it's already done. So he's not going to do it. Nobody got his confidence. Everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that means he's not going to do nothing about it. He's already done something about it. He already did something about it. It's already done. He doesn't need to do anything. I got a problem though. Yeah, there's the issue. Your focus is too much on yourself. And what you're facing. Why did Jesus quote the word to the devil when he kept tempting him? Because he didn't want him to get his mind on he didn't want to get his mind on the problem. I'm going to stay right here. Notice he bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we having died to sins. Wait a minute. You know what somebody would say? Well, then why am I having so much problem with sin? Do you hear what you just said? I'm focusing on my sin. I'm focusing on sin. If he already bore the sin, then, and, well, then why am I having problem with sin? You see it right there. I'm focusing on me, not him. Well, this is going over well. Don't worry, we'll let you out soon enough. But isn't it good that we having died to sin, because we're dead to sin. Somebody said, yeah, but I'm dead. You know that look from your parent. You know, shh, shh. You know you're getting it in the parking lot. Right? Great, now I'm done. But you think about it. How many people say, yeah, but you don't... No, you can tell right there, there's a focus issue. My mind is on the problem. <clears throat> Might live for righteousness or good living. I'm already dead to sin. You're already dead to sin. Now, notice it goes on to say, by whose stripes you're going to be healed. No, you were healed. But the problem is, people don't see it as something that's done, so they're trying to get God to 
do something. And they're looking at themselves instead of looking and knowing that the answer is already there. So it's got nothing to do with God now, so to speak. Why aren't you doing this, God? Why aren't you delivering me from sin? Why aren't you doing this? If the children of Israel did that, how many of you, if you were there and you had your own counseling business, the Israel counseling business, somebody came in and said, I need counseling. I'll just tell you what. I don't know why the Lord hasn't healed me. Look at my ankle. It's swelling up from this serpent bite. I'm about to... You're like, well, just hold on a second. Have you been gazing? I've been praying. Uh, yeah, but he didn't say pray. I'll tell you what, I've been praying. He didn't say pray. No, nothing wrong with prayer. But he said, get your eyes on the answer and get your attention on the fact that it's paid for. Well, I'll just tell you what. If there ain't, there ain't no Israelite lady out there that prays more than me. I don't know who you are, Mr. Counselor. And wouldn't you just think, all right, I'll take your check, but, um, but you ain't going to get it. Because you will not do this, but you're trying to attempt on your own way. Ooh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you for that, whoever said that. <laughs> By whose stripes he's going to heal you. No, but when people are looking to going to be, they don't see themselves as having. They're not looking at his image. They're not seeing themselves with his image. And man, I don't have a lot of time and I've got to keep rolling. 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6. I can't do this for you. You can't do it for me. But if I sit around looking at everything else but not the answer, it will affect me. 1 Corinthians 6. Verse 11. Well, let's go back. Verse 9. Okay, that's as far back as we can go. Do you not know that the unrighteous... Now, he said we're dead to these things. Will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, those are people who have sex outside of marriage, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, people doing it that are married with other people that are not their spouse... Doing what? Figure it out. Um, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, which uh, one is a homosexual submitting, which is a cantamite, which literally means they maybe just don't, aren't homosexual all the way, but they just submit to it because it was a thing of the day. And, and, and he, then he goes on, nor homosexuals, or ma male homosexuals, sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers or extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Now listen, it, up until now, now think about this, he names all this stuff that the world practices and listen to this. Now, he's already told them in the third chapter, you guys got a bunch of bitter people, covetous people, self-seeking people. They later on had people in the 11th chapter that were already there in the church getting drunk. There in the 5th chapter before this was written, there were people in that church that were committing sexual immorality, which was not appropriate, by the way. But he makes this wild statement like Moses did with the brazen serpent. Ready? And such were some of you. But wait a minute. There, some of them are doing this. No, he said, such were some of you. But you're going to be washed, right? 
No, you got to read that. It says you were washed. But you were sanctified or set apart. But you were justified. Declared right. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So look at how he looks at them. The world does all this stuff. And he said, such are some of you, were some of you. And he said, you're already washed. What? And they're doing it. And he said, you're washed. You're already free from that. wonder if he was trying to get them to look at themselves the way God looked at them. Instead of looking at themselves bound. And looking at themselves in sin. And looking at themselves practicing wrong. He said, you're already washed. You're already free. That's why it's different than the world. Everybody alive and well? And here, here's the thing. Let's, let, we're going to close, I think, here in 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter. What we need to realize is God's perspective. He's already paid for these things. We're not trying to get Him to do a thing. But the problem is we don't see it like He did it, so we're trying to get Him to do a thing. Let me say that again. In these areas, we're sometimes not seeing it like he's done it, so we're trying to get him to do it. But in the area of salvation, we tell everybody, the Lord already paid for it. All you just have to do is receive him. Let's just believe and let's believe and get you saved. Let's come on, Lord, save them now. Save them now. If you did that and Lord, come on, set them free, you would go, wait a minute. No, no, the Lord's already paid for that. Wouldn't you try to start adjusting them? You know, this principle works across the board. Isn't it interesting? He said, when you believe, you enter into rest. What does that mean? He did it. I believe it. That's what I'm looking at. I'm resting. I'm not striving to get it, to make him do it. He did it. you got to see yourself. You could do it while you're in the middle of doing wrong. Start seeing yourself free. That's what they did. They didn't wait till after and go, he did it. No, he already did it, and they're in the middle of pain. 1 Timothy 6.12, and I debate doing this, but I'm going to read this. Here's what the children of Israel saw themselves with the answer. They saw the fact that God already did something. Now I'm going to read this and then I'm going to say some things that I think will clarify and sum stuff up. Verse 12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life or the things that are already purchased, to which you are also called and confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In other words, hey guys, I'm born again. I serve the Lord. He, he is my life. But notice the first phrase, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold or take hold of the things he's paid for. They're yours. But here's something people do is they don't fight the good fight of faith. Hear this. What they do, because if you're fighting the good fight of faith, what does the good fight of faith look like? It looks like what we've been reading. I believe I already have it. He's already bought it. I see myself with it. That keeping yourself there is fighting the good fight of faith. Seeing yourself delivered, seeing yourself free is fighting the good fight of faith. A lot of people, you'll even hear people, oh, they had, they had a fight with lupus and they lost, but they fought good against lupus. Notice it didn't say fight lupus. Yeah, but... I, but I know somebody's got lupus, they need to. No, really what they need to do is realize lupus has been defeated. So you're not trying to defeat lupus. Or dementia. You're not trying to defeat it. You're not trying to defeat it. 
Why? Why would you try to defeat what he's already defeated? Why would you try to defeat sin? Didn't he already defeat it? So that you're dead to it, so you could live under right standing? But see, if I'm trying to defeat sin, then am I looking at it from the standpoint, I'm dead to sin. Am I focusing on it like, I'm free from it already. He already paid the price. Why would I try to fight to defeat what he already defeated? It's getting quieter by the moment. That's why he said, fight the good fight of faith. So it is a fight. It was a fight for them to keep their eyes and mind on the answer. But it was doable because it was already paid for. And so if he said, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on what is yours, then I'm not trying to defeat this. I can start going, glory to God, you already defeated this. But, but if I, my mind is on the problem, I'm going to go, yeah, the Lord defeated it, but look, no. There is no option. He defeated it. So he said, if these words do not depart from your eyes, then you'll see yourself healed. And then you'll begin to experience. There's no reason to fight what he already beat. What we do is fight the good fight of faith. I'm free. Now don't just say I'm free. Say you're free. But see it from the truth in the word. In any area. Let those words sink into your ears. Let them sink into your heart till you see it and it only. Where you're not going, yeah, but what about this temptation? Um, so if you're tempted with sin, if you see yourself right, then you're approaching it as a victor. Aren't you? I'm already free. Oh, this is facing me? Glory to God, I've already won. Here we go. Let's fight the good fight of faith. To stay believing. Everybody alive and well? Well, hopefully you guys are too. Watching online. Well, I believe that's good enough for today. But I'll tell you what. There's a huge principle here. And as we do this, notice there's no room for exception, even though there are many exceptions that appear in life. But fundamentally, there are no exceptions. We can do this. Anybody. Any age, any education can do this. And it works in every area. And I believe this, God spoke to everybody or dealt with them out of the Word.